Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online internet around the world church service. And I'm so glad that you are here today joining me as we roll into a new year. Praise God. And this, I believe, is going to be the greatest year of your life thus far. So we will be talking about those wonderful things today. But first, let's honor the Lord with our tithes and with our offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of the Lord. And let's take a look at a scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. This is very, very interesting. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 7. It says, truly the light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. Well, my friends, when there is light or when there is the sun, which emits light, which is radiating uh, this ability to understand, then we do come into an understanding of the things of God that perhaps even if it were told to us previously and we actually heard it, but we just couldn't grasp it. Or maybe we read it and it was explained thoroughly and we, we read it and would even say, yes, we agree, but it's not like it, it really registered in our hearts. Why? Because there just maybe wasn't enough light that was thrown on it to give us the understanding that we needed. Now, the Lord told me that this is a year of F-U-N, faith, F, understanding, U, and N, numbers. But the understanding is so important, and that is why light is so essential. We actually see something very similar to this in Psalm 119, and that would be verse 130. The entrance, it's incredible. The entrance of your words gives what? It gives light. Now watch this. It's not just the reading of God's word, because you can read it, and it's not like that light necessarily comes on. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's the entrance. It comes into your understanding. And even if you read it 10 or 20 times, maybe a hundred times before now, it's all different. You understand it. Why the light has gone on. Praise God. So it's not just, uh, uh, reading the word or maybe sometimes talking about it. Although all of that is essential, but it's the entrance of it. It's the coming into it of your spirit understanding, praise God. And that is why it is so powerful. And this year, the Lord's really going to help you with your finances through a new level of understanding with the light really being amped up in your life. Well, Pastor Stephen, as that begins to unfold this year, what's it going to look like? What's it going to, what will be the cause and effect of that? Well, I believe we see some of that in Matthew chapter 5, and that would be verse 16. Jesus said, let your light, see, your, your understanding, your ability to comprehend things, things of the kingdom, let your light so shine before who? Before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Men, uh, in other words, uh, mankind, men, women, uh, whoever would be out there is in a fallen state outside of Christ. I'm talking about fallen nature, sin nature. 
Therefore, because of that, they have to see proofs that verify that what we proclaim and what we live by actually works. And it says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. I, I'm telling you in this year, people are going to see the incredible things that God is doing in your life. And there is going to be a shining out a radiance. And that is a direct result of the word coming in with illumination and understanding. And it's changing things. One of the things that's going to change, which is an important, very important aspect in your life is your finances. And don't let anybody tell you that that is not an important area of your life. It is praise the Lord. And there's going to be a lot of F U N a lot of understanding that is going to produce a lot of fun. In other words, a lot of light in your life this year. One of the things the Lord told me in the prophetic word of the Lord for this year is that he's going to begin to work with your numbers in your numbers and that he's going to put them in order. Woo! Praise God. Hallelujah. And I actually heard the Lord say that he's going to put my, he's going to put his people back in black and get them out of the red. Let's talk about that just for a moment before we, we receive the tithes and the offering in the black is a, is a phrase that is used in the world of accounting. And I'm heard, I'm sure you've heard the phrase, even if you're not an accountant or CPA, you have probably heard the phrases in the red and in the black. Now the phrase in the black means financially profitable. It means no negative accounts. The phrase in the black, in the black means money in the bank and money left over at the end of that, whether it's a monthly cycle or a, uh, a bi-monthly cycle, you have money left over to move forward. That's what it means to be in the black. Now in the red means running a deficit. It means being cash negative. It means bringing in less than what is required and need it to go out. So there is a deficit. That means you're in the red. So before computers, accountants did everything by hand with old fashioned pen and paper. And you know, that really actually wasn't too long ago because we've only had computers for uh, a few decades now. Before that, everything was pen and paper. So black and red ink hundreds of years back were two readily available colors of ink. And so those two colors were chosen specifically by those involved in the, the world of accounting. Red was chosen to designate debt, to designate losses and insufficient funds. Red in many ways is considered a harsh color uh, it easily catches your attention. That's for sure. Because they, they say, if you um, are speedy with your driving, don't ever get a red car because the red's going to always pop. <laughs> uh, police officers, state troopers, they may see a fast silver car, but something registers different on the brain when they see a fast red car. <laughs> so it's uh it grabs your attention. And so these early accountants wanted to make negative funds and 
debts stand out in order to catch the attention of their clients so that they would know this is something that has to be addressed and taken seriously. Now, this is interesting also because many of you probably remember this when you grew up in elementary school is probably when it started, but throughout junior high, high school, when the teacher graded your test or graded your homework and your homework was given back to you after it had been checked by the teacher, it's got marks on it of what is wrong and what color were the marks always made in never a soft blue never like a gentle purple, but it was always red. In other words, if you missed five of these, there were big five, five big red check marks. And that uh, dates back also to this understanding of red denotes something that needs to be corrected because it is wrong. So my friends, the Lord told me he, I heard him say that he's going to put his people back in black, back in good financial standing, and he's going to get you out of the red. Woo! Praise the Lord. That means no more living paycheck to paycheck. You will be moving monies forward every time. Praise God. And I want you to confess that right now. Say, I will never be in the red again. Now, now look, even if you are, even if you've got red, <laughs> you got bills over here and you have insufficiencies over here, money's owed there, money's owed over here. I want you to say, I'll never be in the red again. I'm back in black. Woo. Praise God. Now, please understand one of the key principles of faith is that you have to believe it. You have to say it and believe it before you actually see it. And this act of belief is based upon scripture. This is how God works. The problem Thomas had was he was basically saying, I'll confess it and say it after I have proof that it's true. But to the believer in the new covenant with that proper understanding. Now we say, I believe it first because the word is true and you believe then you therefore see please again, confess this. I'll never be in the red another day of my life. I'm back in black and I'm staying in the black. Woo. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So in this year, God is going to cause the numbers to line up for you. So what I want you to do is I want you to walk in the light, walk in the word of God, honor the Lord with the tithe. That's 10% of your increase. The Lord says the tithe belongs to him. So let's bring that into the storehouse of the Lord. Glory to God. My friends, be a radiant, be, a, be an illuminated tither and giver. Along with your tithe, you could also give an offering. It could be of any size or any amount. We have different projects that we work on. Praise the Lord. The tithe goes to the general overall budget of the ministry and keeps everything moving forward smoothly. Offerings, uh, if so desired, can be applied into other specified areas. Praise the Lord. But my friends, nothing shines without light. You have to have light. You have to understand. You, have, you must have the understanding. Let's do this God's way. In other words, let's walk in the light of the word. That's what understanding is. 
knowing what God requires and why. Why does He require it like this? And I'm telling you, when as you begin to walk in this understanding, you will truly say that the ways of God are so much higher than the ways of the world. Praise the Lord. And so that's why you're going up this year. So let's honor the Lord with our finances. Let's bring the tithe. And if you would like to sow a special offering, you can bring that in as well. Let's begin this year with grace and financial strength. Again, please make this confession right now. I'll never be in the red ever again. I'm in the black and I'm staying in the black. Praise God. Woo. And as many of you know, the circumstances could be against you right now, but you are operating in faith. You're making this a confession and you are going to work on this. Hallelujah. You're going to have a really, really fun year. Praise God. All right. Now, for those of you that are mailing in your tithes and offerings, please mail them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. The zip code here is 28654. If you prefer to bring your tithe or an offering in online, you can do so at any time, literally from anywhere on the planet, as long as you have internet. Please go to stephenbrooks.org. In other words, stephenbrooks.org. And there on the homepage, you'll see a red heart and it says give. You can click that link and you can bring your tithe in from anywhere in the world. If you would like to give a special offering, you can click the orange banner that says projects and you'll see the various projects that we are involved in. You'll see the pure gold television program. And if you would like to sow an offering into that, that helps us to record new programs. It helps us to you know, pay the television bills. It helps us to continue to move that tremendous outreach of teaching and evangelism around the world, which also includes broadcasting in Israel three times every single week. Hallelujah. Now, please lift your hands. Father, I speak prosperity and increase over your people as they're honoring you by walking in the light of your word, by tithing, by giving. I thank you, Father God, this is their F-U-N year. Father, I thank you that you're going to put it on them double. Hallelujah. We thank you for the increase in Jesus' name. Amen. Woo. Praise God. Glory. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's take our Bibles and go over for a few minutes to the book of Isaiah. Hallelujah. My friends, get ready. Get ready. This is going to be the greatest year of the life of your life that you've ever had on planet Earth. Hallelujah. And we're going to walk in those things that God would require of us in order to see this a reality. We are walking in faith, but we also have the tools, the equipment that God says, this is what you need to work with in order to make that happen. And we're going to work on that. Now we're jumping into that now. Heavenly Father, as we begin to study your word today, we ask that your Holy Spirit would fall like rain upon our understanding so that we can walk in a way that pleases you. Now, Father, we thank you for the movement of your Holy Spirit upon our understanding, upon our brains, upon our minds, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 41, let's drop down now to verse 10. God says here, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. 
I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is a helping God. God is a compassionate, good God. When Peter walked out on the water to meet Jesus, and he was having that supernatural moment, but then he got distracted, allowed himself to begin to focus on the waves and the wind and took his eyes off of the Lord. He began to sink and Jesus didn't say, well, I, I hope you're really good, Peter, at holding your breath underwater because this is going to really teach you a good lesson. No, Jesus reached down and grabbed him. Woo. Praise the Lord and caught him. And God is always there to help you. My friends, the reason the Lord says fear not is because you can be going through a tough moment. You can be going through a challenge and that spirit of fear can try to hit and God will come on the scene. And as he so often does so many times throughout the word of God, he says, fear not. Now, sometimes it's expressed, do not fear or do not be afraid. But there are actually over 500 statements in the Bible that directly deal with these type of uh, wordings such as fear not or do not be afraid. Well, Pastor Stephen, why would God say that to them? Because they are going through things where they are, they are sensing that spirit pressing in on them that would try to get them out of faith and into fear. So often when God comes on the scene, the first thing he will declare is fear not. Don't be afraid. Praise the Lord. Jesus, we give you praise today. So you may be facing some problem today that would seem to be impossible. But let's do this. Let's obey the Lord. And instead of talking about how impossible the problem would appear to be, let's lean into the Lord and let's declare by faith a good confession, such as God is with me and I will not be afraid. God is helping me. God is working in my life. See, again, Isaiah 41 verse 10 Yes, I will help you. So you could declare God is helping me. And God has said, do not be afraid. Therefore, I do not fear. And as you keep walking forward in faith, God will walk you right out of that situation into a place of victory. Can you say amen? It is amazing to see that these attacks have hit even the greatest generals of faith. Look at this in Joshua chapter one, Joshua chapter one, verse nine, the Lord spoke this to Joshua, the leader of Israel and said, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. Well, Pastor Stephen, that's just God talking. But God, yes, but God never talks just because there's like a vacuum of words, and so God's got to jump in there and just do something. He's talking on purpose because that stuff is hitting Joshua. This uh, spirit of fear is trying to get to him. Why? Because if he shows before the three million Israelites the slightest hesitancy, or even in his language and communication, if he shows hints of fear, or if he reveals to the people that he is somehow dismayed or befuddled or confused, 
that can spread like wildfire to the people that are out there looking at him as the general of the faith. Praise God. But my friends, God says, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. Some of you today are in really good situations, and that is to the glory of God, and you're going higher, and you're getting stronger. Others, you're in places where you've just got a report that your son or your daughter who went off to college now wants to have a sex change and they want to go to the doctor and start getting everything chopped off. And you're like, Whoa. And suddenly you're hit with something and fear would try to strike at your heart and say, uh, the person will now be irretrievable. The person is gone. And these attacks come in various ways and these things can hit. I was just speaking with somebody yesterday that told me of a godly uh, parent, husband and wife, daughter went off to college, been raised in the ways of God all of her life, went off to college. And after a few years of college comes home fully convinced that she's no longer a woman, that she's now a man. And you know what the thing is? She's a very attractive young lady. And yet, uh, all of her friends are saying, yeah, you, yeah, you really are probably a guy. Yeah, you should just go ahead and get, get everything female-related just chopped off. Woo! Mm-mm. A minister, a friend of mine, almost talked her out of it. But she went back because she came home on break, and he went to talk to her. But after the break, she goes back, and she went back. She has not been heard from since because she got back around her unsaved friends and uh, those deceived and duped by the devil. So I'm not really sure what's going on, but imagine the parents, what they must be dealing with as they're crying out to God. But look, God can move. God will come on the scene, praise the Lord. But you're going to have to fight against real enemies, these, these spiritual entities. And one of the big ones is called fear. Here we see it's actually trying to hit the leaders, trying to hit Joshua. Therefore, the Lord says, be strong and of good courage. There is something about the spirit of fear where we can, we can sit comfortable perhaps in church. We could sit comfortable perhaps in our daily uh, uninterrupted life. But if something suddenly comes in, boom, where this thing attacks real hard. I have seen people. I've seen Christians that lift their hands in church and worship the Lord. I've seen them in a split second turn to butter and just melt right before an attack of the enemy. And you think, whoa, what happened to that person? I thought they knew the Bible. They they could quote scripture and they could do things like that. Well, a lot of that was all in their head and they did not have this foundation to get rooted and to step into that position of leadership because others are looking at them, whether they know it or not. But I've seen people get hit with it and just crumble just like sometimes almost instantly. I had a, a gun pointed to me one time. Some of you have read about this in my book, Working with Angels, but I got held up one time on, uh, on the way to church. Can you believe that? And um, I was actually outside with somebody. Uh, excuse me, this was not on the way, but ex- ex- escorting somebody out from the church who was on their way out of the church. So I was walking this uh, woman to the car, and this guy pulls a gun on us, and this this person actually that I was a spirit-filled believer, but froze, froze like a block of solid ice, just froze in absolute, complete terror. <laughs> and so froze so hard, the person could not get one single word out. It would be like 
what horror movies do to people, which I would pray and plead that you never watch any of that garbage because those movies are designed to um, cause spirits of fear to be attached to you, spirits of horror to be attached to you. And somebody might say, well, I watched it, didn't do anything. Wait till you go to sleep and the nightmares begin. Or a sudden uh, thing happens in life where you get hit with a real attack and then you'll see what comes out. So, uh, so sometimes people, because of not being grounded in these things, they get hit with something and they absolutely freeze and can't even get one, not even like, ah, help. No, they can't get anything out. Okay? They're just paralyzed completely. Well, that person became completely paralyzed, but you know, the Holy Spirit touched me and, um, uh, it was kind of quite interesting how the story turned out. It didn't turn out too good for that person. I felt like the anointing of the spirit that touched Samson came on me at that moment. And I turned into a completely, uh, like, like super powered type person and God brought a victory out of what probably would have been, uh, death to both of us. Cause he was not only pointing the gun, he was saying, get in the car. Because we're taking both of you, and we're going in. Uh, so it would have been real bad. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going along with the devil? <laughs> oh, a, a person possessed by the devil and high on drugs, and he's going to tell you what to do. I don't think so. Mm -mm. But see, you can't you can't react in a biblical way if that word is not in you. Praise God. So again, that stuff was hitting Joshua. And so God says, this is how you deal with it. You deal with meditating on what I'm telling you. How does faith come? Well, in a classic way, we would say that faith comes by hearing the word. But I want to say it a different way so that it's more fresh to you. Faith comes by hearing God talk. That, that's as simple as that. Faith comes by hearing God talk. So whatever form or format that he's using which is so often the Bible, but it could also be the whispers of the Holy Spirit. It could be a friend uh, who is a believer speaking a word to you that charges your faith. It could be a prophetic utterance, but either way, faith comes by hearing God talk. And when faith comes, fear now begins to back off and evaporate. Now remember, fear is not some kind of intangible something other that just you sense it, but you don't know what it is like it's maybe like a force. No, it is a spirit. It is an entity. It is a being. It is an outlaw rebel spirit. A fallen demon or fallen angel is a demon spirit that is endeavoring to put that on you. So you must resist and you resist with the word. Praise God. Now, again, these things have hit even the great generals of the faith. Look at this in Acts chapter 18. This to me has always been a very amazing visionary encounter that Paul had. It's not talked about nearly as much as, of course, his conversion experience, but this also was a visionary encounter where he sees the Lord again. Acts chapter 18, verse 9. Then, excuse me, now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Now watch what the Lord tells the great apostle Paul, the great man of faith who taught so much about faith and talked about the word of faith and the spirit of faith. Look what the Lord tells Paul. Do not be afraid. 
Well, uh, Pastor Stephen, that's just Jesus. He's just, he likes to talk like that. Jesus never minces words. Even in his rela most relaxed moment, every single word is always measured, accurate, and divine. And he would not tell Paul to not be afraid unless fear is attacking him. Woo! This is going to be a really fun year for you. Praise God. Mm -mm. Pastor Stephen, you mean that Paul, the great man of faith, was attacked by fear? Yes. Um, if you live in a physical body and you're on planet Earth, this is something that you encounter from time to time, as I'm sure that you understand. And Jesus said to him, do not be afraid. Well, the enemy is trying to hit Paul with these thoughts. Paul, get ready. We're ready. We're ready to give you your next beating. Paul, get ready. Hey, Paul, just go ahead and take your, take your robe off because we're ready to tear your back up again. We're ready to give you another 40 lashes. Paul, get ready for the next riot. It'll probably show up tomorrow morning. And after a while, when you've been beaten with rods, whipped and stoned, and you've been put through the grinder, and sometimes you need a little break, <laughs> even when you know the cross that you're supposed to carry and your assignment from heaven as an apostle, and that along with that goes what Paul, what Paul said, we are the scum of the earth. In other words, we are not expecting to get an award from the academy, uh, uh, from, you know, award from like the Kennedy Center or something like that. No, no, we're not on their radar. Um, but even still, sometimes you need a little break. And the enemy is starting to hit Paul again with the get ready. It's about to explode. Another riot coming. Jesus says, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. Why? The enemy is trying to shut him up saying, hey, you better not talk anymore. You're going to have another, we're going to have another whole city in an uproar, not just a little group. He, we're talking whole cities that went in the total pandemonium, <laughs> sometimes because of his preaching. But Jesus says, do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent for I am with you. See, there you go. For I am with you instantly, instantly fear starts backing off for I am with you. Well, he certainly is. He's standing right there talking to Paul in this vision for I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. Praise the Lord. Did you know that after Paul received this vision and the Lord shared these things with him. Did you know that just shortly after that, it looked like another riot was going to break out. It looked like it looked like from Paul's past record, like here we go again. And then suddenly it turned and it never happened. And somebody else, a bad guy got beat up instead. <laughs> Woo. Praise the Lord. Amen. So Paul just was probably like, Whoo! Yes. Amen. But the enemy will lie. He will come and lie and try to put fear and say, uh, your marriage is irreparable. Your son or daughter are lost. You might as well count them as a write-off or your business is sunk. You might as well call the bankruptcy attorney. There's no turnaround, but I'm here to tell you that God can speak to you and infuse your heart with faith through God talking to you. And the next thing you know, you're like, oh, oh, hallelujah. I'm back in the fight. I am back in the fight of faith and victory today is mine. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. 
And so Paul did continue. He said he continued there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. If there's anything the devil wants to stop, it is the teaching and the preaching of the word of God. And that's why that stuff was hitting him. But Jesus came and encouraged him. And Jesus wants to encourage you today. My friends, the greatest way to dispel fear is to speak what God says. And as you speak his words, not the fear, not magnifying the circumstances, but when you speak in faith, what God says, it stabilizes you. It begins to soothe you. It begins to comfort you and you continue to move forward on course. Praise God here in the book of Romans chapter eight, verse 31 is a good confession to make verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? In other words, these difficulties or tests or trials or hardships, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Woo, praise God. Let that be your confession today. You might be having various challenges, or you could be at a place in your life where you're smooth sailing and you're enjoying yourself. But we still know that we are in this earth and we must continue to walk by faith. So your confession must be that if God is for us, who can be against us? Praise the Lord. You and God, God with you, that makes the majority. Thank you, Lord. Now, this is important to understand. Whenever you're seeking God for something, you must first believe in your heart. Because the Word says this is the proper protocol that we must follow. In other words, you, you, you want to receive something from God. There's something that you're, you've asked God for, something that you're believing for. Okay, you have to first believe it in your heart. Then, once you believe it, because you've got Scripture to back it up, then you must begin to speak it out of your mouth. You must begin to confess it. Praise the Lord. Because this is the way that God operates. Let me give you a great example of this as we see in the following chapter, uh, right over Romans chapter 10. And this is an example of how a person becomes born again, moving from spiritual death to spiritual life in Jesus. Romans 10 verse 10 for with the heart, not the head. Now the head, the intellect is very important in our overall function of success in life. But it's with the heart that one believes unto righteousness. So with the heart, one believes. So you need your mind, but it is with your heart that you believe. You don't believe with your head. You believe with your heart. Now your head is going to agree with it, but faith is in here, in your heart. So with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto what? Salvation. That's how you get born again. You hear the gospel preached in a clear and understandable way. You hear it, and in your heart, you believe it. You believe it. Where? In your heart. Right in here. And then because you believe it, what do you do? Stay quiet? Not tell anybody? No! No, because you believe it, you now open your mouth and you say it. 
Jesus is my Lord. I accept Jesus into my heart. I refuse the devil. I say goodbye to him and I give my life to the Lord. Amen. And so with that confession of faith is now the entrance into salvation. And it works the same way. That is the key example of how you get born again or how you get saved. But salvation here, which is what you come into salvation. Yes, it is the receiving of eternal life. It is moving out of spiritual death in the spiritual life, but it's also the same process of how you receive anything else good that God has for you. Praise God. So what we, what we want to do is we want to follow that pattern. Thank you, Lord. As you speak God's word, what begins to happen is that at first you might think, well, uh, I don't really know if this is going to work, but I'm telling you, as you begin to speak it out, as you begin to speak it out before you ever see it manifested, but as you speak the word, I'm telling you, it, it, it doesn't take long at all. Uh, just a few times and you begin to realize, wow, there's power in this. The more I do this, the better I feel. <laughs> Woo, God really is with me. God really is working in my life. We're going to move forward into the glory. Praise God. But you have to speak in, in alignment, in agreement with the word of God. You have to say, yes, that's mine. Healing belongs to me and I claim my healing now. And the devil will say, well, how come you're still hurting? Well, you can say, well, hey, the circumstances may still be swirling around me. I'm not denying that, but I believe the word over the circumstances and I claim my healing now in Jesus name. I'm healed. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. And as you continue to confess that. Your confession creates what? Your reality. Woo, praise God. And I'm telling you, that's why this is going to be the funnest year you've ever had. The best year you've ever had thus far, because you are applying this understanding to your life. Now, to a certain degree, you can use your faith in the lives of others if, for example, they give you their permission, or if, it's like a child that lives in your house. Therefore, they are under your authority. And so you have, you have legal permission in the eyes of heaven to pull them along or to pull them out or whatever it might be. But here's the catch, and I think this is the catch for, for many of you. There comes a point when a person reaches a certain age and that age can be different because it's based also on your understanding. But you move to a certain place where mama and daddy's faith cannot carry you anymore. What does that mean? It means you now have to get into the word and you have to learn how to walk by faith and live this and it'll support you too. Woo! It'll work for you too. Praise God. Praise the Lord. For example, with my youngest daughter, there was a time in her life that no matter what sickness would try to hit her, whether it was altitude sickness or flu or cold or this or that or the other, me or my dear wife, we could lay our hands on her and within just a short period of time, I'm not even talking days, I'm talking maybe an hour at the max, maybe three hours, she's completely healed. She's completely healed. 
But there came a point as she continued to get older and as she continued to grow and went past the age of 18 and moved out on her own. And now she's married and, and these good things that are taking place in her life. I can't carry her faith anymore. She now has to rise up and she has to claim the word for her healing, claim the word for her prosperity. Praise God. Now I can be in agreement, but I can't carry that person anymore. Praise God. My oldest daughter, when she was younger, one time she had uh, a, a cyst develop on her wrist. It was about the size of a large marble, not as big as a golf ball, but it wasn't small either. I'd say like a quarter in size. And one day when the anointing of the spirit was on me, I just grabbed her hand and I rebuked that cyst and I commanded it to leave. And I took my hand off and that thing just, just disappeared into nothing. And I could do stuff like that. My wife could pray over her, do stuff like that. Anytime something hit her, sometimes she would get hit with panic attacks that would try to hit her for maybe something that happened at school or different things that she was dealing with. But we could pray for her. God would stabilize her. Peace would flood back in. Uh, a sickness would come off of her. But there came a point when she became a young woman and she moved off on her own that now she had to learn herself how to walk in faith. And she certainly does. Praise God. I'm very, very blessed with uh, wonderful children that love the Lord. Praise God. Glory, glory to God. Two of them are serving the Lord directly in uh, ministry. Now, my friends, if you have uh, someone who's... Um, past that age where they are now at a place where God expects them to get into the word. You could do a 40 day fast for them and you can use your faith for them. But if they listen to me, if they're a Christian and they're now 35 years old and they've been saved now for, you know, 30 years, if they're not going to get into this book and they're not going to build their faith up, and they're not going to work with their understanding, then their year, potentially for fun, there's going to be a lot of jeopardy involved there. Because I know a lot of moms and dads that are real strong. Uh, and maybe they're 50, maybe they're 60, maybe they're 70. And now their children are 30 or 40. But, and, and these uh, adults are having these problems, uh, but they're not getting into the Word. You can't carry them at that point. You can't carry them at that point, nor should you be expected to at that age, physically and in the natural realm at that age, by the age of 30, you should be out working a job. <laughs> okay. We should not have, we should not be having to pay for your apartment or your food or your bed or your car or your gas when you're 30 years old. Okay. So when you're 30 years old, spiritually, we should not ha be having to carry you and you still you still don't know where Romans chapter four is at. You still don't know the basic principles of Abraham, the father of faith who called those things before they were even in existence. Woo. He was acting like God does. He was speaking things forth. Glory to God. He was, he was not even giving credence to the condition of his body. He knew his body couldn't produce a child at that age with his wife, but he did not, he did not give heed to that. He gave heed to the word. Praise the Lord. So my friends, for this to be a double fun year for you, be a person of faith. And yes, we're also going to stay polished with our understanding. Speaking of understanding, 
I need to share a secret with you. It's not really a secret, but it does seem to have eluded quite a few, many believers, but it's not going to elude you. And I actually believe that you'll see the value of it, and I believe you'll embrace it. And when you do, you're, you're going to know that this one especially is a difference maker. Are you ready for it? Now, this is going to be a year of F-U-N, F, uh, faith, U, understanding, N, numbers, God working with the numbers, get you out of the red into the black. But with the U, with the understanding, and God even having told me, he actually told me, tell my people that if they will embrace this word of the Lord, this prophecy, he tell, tell them not only will they have a F U N year, the Lord said, I'll double it. He said, I will double it. You could have double fun, but here, here's, here's a secret. Are you ready? Let's go to second Kings chapter two. Pastor Stephen, that that's dealing with the prophet Elijah. Yes, it is. Yes. Yes. You know your Bible. Well, <laughs> second Kings chapter two, you've got to see this. Woo. Praise God. Now get ready. Get ready for this. Say, all right, Pastor Stephen, I'm ready. Give it to me. All right. I'm, I'm not going to throw you a curveball. I'm not going to try to uh, fake you. I'm going to throw you a fastball. Okay. Get ready to catch it. Let me get a drink of hot tea so I can deliver it properly. Praise God. Glory. Mm -mm -mm. Okay. Second Kings chapter two. Here we go. Verse nine. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, ask, what may I do for you before I am taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you've asked a hard thing, not impossible. All things are possible with God, but you've asked a hard thing. Not, not a problem because Elisha already knows it. He knows what he's in for. He wants, he wants double. He wants the double portion. My friends, I need to let you know that if you want the double fun, not just fun, which is good, okay? But if you want God to double it and give you the double fun, you must embrace the double portion of work. Pastor Stephen, does that mean that if I've worked 40 hours a week, I've now got to work 80? Does that mean if I've worked 50 hours uh, a week last year, that this year I've got to work 100 hours? That's not what I'm saying. But you still must embrace that double portion that will be required of you to maximize the talents and the potential God put in you. It won't just happen. You're going to have to push and, and in many ways work and apply yourself like you never have before. Double portion equals double output. Are you ready for this? How many miracles did the prophet Elijah do that are actually recorded in Scripture? The Holy Spirit inspiring men to write the Word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired that the writer record for Elijah eight miracles. Eight miracles. Here they are. The three years of drought. Number two, multiplying of the meal and oil. Number three, resurrection of a boy. Number four, fire from heaven. Number five, rain after three and a half years. Number six, fi uh, uh, fire from heaven again. Number seven, 
fire from heaven again. Number eight, drying up of the Jordan. Woo! Pastor Stephen, I get tired. Just I get tired just hearing you read that off. Oh, that, that prophet Elijah, he must have been busy. He had an international ministry. Yes, he did. He was busy. You want the double portion? That means you're going to be busier. So we find recorded in Scripture, Elijah did eight, and we actually find recorded 16 miracles done by the prophet Elisha. Now, I believe that both did more, but the Holy Spirit specifically recorded eight for this one and 16 for that one to verify that Elisha got the double. Here they are. Elisha's 16 miracles. Number one, drying up of Jordan. Healing of the waters. Number two. Number three, bears from the woods. Number four, water filling ditches without rain. Number five, increase in the widow's oil. Number six, barrenness healed. Number seven, resurrection of a boy. Number eight, the pottage healed. Number nine, the bread multiplied. Number 10, leprosy of Naaman healed. Number 11, the judgment of Gehazi. Number 12, making the iron axe head to swim, as the King James Version says. I'm still wondering if it did the back, back stroke or the front stroke or the breast stroke. Hallelujah. Number 13, the blinding of the Syrian army. Number 14, the provision of food. Number 15, the seven-year famine. And number 16, the resurrection of the dead Man, whoo, Pastor Stephen, will double work? Will God give me a double vacation? He'll give you a double vacation if you want to take, if you want to get, really get into the double, take your double vacation. Just make sure you bring your laptop. Make sure that you bring the books or the tools that you need because trust me, sitting on a beach for eight hours, look, look, after two, even with some heavy sunscreen, you're going to get sunburned. Uh, you, you just can't drink uh, sweet tea all day long and uh, play volleyball on the beach. My friends, uh, get refreshed. Hallelujah. But with that refreshing, uh, enjoy the work. Enjoy the calling that God has given to you. One of the worst things I hated in the previous uh, job I had several jobs before God put me into the full-time ministry. One of those jobs, oh, I hated it because, because of the dreaded words. No overtime. You're not allowed to work overtime. It's almost like they thought like if you went uh, 39 hours, .99, but somehow went over, like somehow a bomb was going to go off in the building. Oh, no, don't go over overtime. One of the greatest things I love about the work that God has called me to is that if I want to work 90 hours a week, bless God, I can. And I don't have somebody standing in the corner, pulling their hair out, screaming, no overtime, no overtime. Well, first of all, I love my job. Can I stay on the job? Even if I didn't get paid, could I at least stay on the clock of work? <laughs> now, of course, if you're on the clock, you're going to get paid. But sometimes it's not so much the pay. Sometimes it's just you like what you do. You like what you do. And if it's producing, why do we have to shut it down? Why do we have to quit? Woo. Now, I'm not into like a thing where we tax our bodies and tax our brains and we work 20 hours a day till we just burn out. I'm not into that. But when you love your work and you love your assignment, you want to work. And yes, you want to take a break and take your double vacation. Praise God. But yes, take your notepad and, uh, uh, and strategize and look for ways also for increase while, while you have another uh, while you have another steak or whatever you do on your vacation. Woo, praise God. 
Now, one more scripture. One more scripture because some of you have got too much gold on the inside of you. You have, you have so much talent on the inside of you, but you're, you're not running like Elisha. You're not making that, that application where if you want double portion, you want double fun, but you're not willing to uh, uh, do the double output to get there. I believe you will. And I honestly believe if, if you just push a little more, you'll, something good will break. Something good will break, and you'll actually say, yeah, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is what God put in me, and you'll, you'll, you'll begin to shine. You'll begin to shine. Let's not forget Matthew chapter 25 very quickly. Verse 24, then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. That's, and it's fascinating because when the man says this, the Lord doesn't say, oh, that's not me. I'm the compassionate one. Can't you see I'm over here holding a, a lamb? I'm Jesus. I'm the, I'm the gentle shepherd. That is a part of him. But there's another part where he's invested a lot into you. And you need to be willing to push to see the gold come out of you. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy. Be careful with the word lazy. Nobody wants to be called lazy. And I'm not saying that a person would be lazy because maybe you're already doing the eight miracles. But if you want the double, if you want double, that's double work. I mean, he's obviously in more places. He's obviously going here, going there. The, the schools of the prophets have increased. He's got more going on, but he's willing to do that. Well, Elisha, you've asked for a hard thing. If you want the double, I know it's still what I want. I'm willing to put the time in. Okay, let's, let's make it happen. If you see me when I'm going, it's yours. <laughs> Honestly, for him, the, the Jezebel, the persecution, all of that, uh, that, he knows that's baked into the package. But there's also this thing of uh, maybe your work won't end until 2 o'clock in the morning. He's like, okay, okay, okay. Uh, I'll get another extra coffee machine. I'll get another coffee maker. Okay. I'll keep a Red Bull in the refrigerator. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Uh, Pastor Stephen, please don't read those verses. I'm a socialist. Pastor Stephen, me and my, my uh, socialist comrades, uh, we're in the socialism where we're going to take from the rich and we're going to give to the poor. That is called theft. Okay? If the rich earned it, let the rich enjoy their money. There is a pathway to success for everybody. Stop blaming the rich for perhaps personal financial failure. They're not the problem. We must look internally and we must make the adjustments. And sometimes one of those adjustments is I need to do more with this talent that God has given to me. Praise God. We need to stop romanticizing old movies like Robin Hood. 
where they stole Robin Hood. You know, the whole theme with Robin Hood was he was this suave, good-looking dude. He and his merry men would steal from the rich, and they would distribute it to the poor. Uh, that's called theft. You go to prison for doing that. If you want to give to the poor, produce something, create something, go work with your hands so that you have something to give to the poor. Amen. But we don't need to be stealing or robbing from anybody. Hallelujah. That's, that's criminal activity. That violates the word of God. Well, Pastor Shiva, I'm not happy where I'm at. Then take that talent and really begin to apply yourself Here's why double fun. You ready? Okay. Double fun, double portion. It's, it's, uh, it's saying double commitment. You're going to have to make that double commitment to work. Can you see why this is part of the F U now we're, this is part of the understanding God's willing to get you there, but he's giving you the understanding to let you know what he requires of you, what he expects of you. Please lift your hands right now and say, Jesus, I'm all in. I want the double glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may not want to take that extra sales meeting. You may not want to take uh, and make that one extra call. That could be the one that could be the one that gave you the contract that in one contract, you make more money in that one contract than you do the whole year on all the others. You have to be willing to push until you feel that release of the Holy Spirit. Again, please lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people watching today. They are now moving forward into their year that they're possessing their Canaan land. And they are after the fun package that you have provided for them. They want the double. And I thank you, Father, they are walking in it now. I thank you right now. Now, as they're watching me, angels are working in their finances. You are sending angels to work in their finances to dissolve the red and to move them permanently over into the black where they're always having money move forward. Now, Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you praise. I thank you, Father. This is going to be the greatest year of their lives. It's already, it's already taking place. And we thank you, Father, that it's not going to be by accident, but it's going to be because of faith and understanding, and that also we're working with you as you're working on our numbers. In Jesus' name, all around the planet Earth, as you're watching and listening to me, say amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you're watching today's message and you're listening to me, but you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. You right now can make the greatest decision of your life, which is to, which is to say goodbye to the devil, goodbye to a life of sin, and surrender your life to Jesus. He'll save you right now if you'll pray this prayer from your heart. I want you to pray it. But before we do, if there's somebody watching me and you used to be a Christian, but you have fallen away from the Lord, and you've gone off into the world, and you've gotten tangled up in sin, but you have realized that the, the lifestyle of the prodigal son and living in the pig pen of sin, it's not all that it was uh, cracked up to be or reported to be. And you're fed up. You're fed up with it. And you're ready to come back to God. I want you to pray this prayer also. Okay. Are you all ready? Those of you that are ready, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I completely surrender my life to you. Save me now. Wash me with your precious blood. 
write my name in your book of life and step into my life and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray, amen and amen. Amen. And those of you that have just prayed that for the first time, or those maybe you fell away from the Lord, now you're being you've been restored back to the Lord. I want to hear from you also. Email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org. I always love reading the contacts of salvations. I was reading one this morning of a person that got saved in one of these similar type uh, salvation calls. I was reading that testimony from her just before I came up to bring today's message to you. So welcome, welcome to the kingdom of God. Glory, glory to Jesus. Now, now, let's enjoy the covenant meal. Let's all take communion together. If you are a believer in Christ, you can take communion with me and with the rest of us around the world. Grab some unleavened bread, a little cracker, a little wafer will do, and grab a little bit of grape juice, and let's pray. Father, we bless the bread, the juice. We set it apart now through this prayer as being holy. And Father, as we receive the Lord's body, we thank you. We receive the prophetic word, double fun. And thank you, Father, for your grace to, to maximize the talents that you've put into us. Right now, as you receive this, my friend, let the Holy Spirit identify that talent. Make that commitment. You're going to go all out. Father, we thank you. We receive the Lord's body and the double portion. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's partake together. Praise the Lord. Maybe you're watching me and you're, you're a musician. You haven't put out a new CD or a new album in eight or nine years. It's time for the new album. And don't just do one of those albums that's got like three or four songs, like it's like a promo album. No, do the whole thing. At least, at least 12. Go extra, like 14 or 15 songs. That's, if that's your talent, get on your talent. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. If anyone has sinned against us, we forgive them completely and thoroughly. We bless them and we move on in you. We thank you, Father, this is our year of double fun. And we thank you that it's sealed through the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's drink together. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. My friends, thank you for watching today. Stay in the Word. Stay close to the Lord. And stay in the double fun. Have a great week. And I'll see you back again real soon. Bye-bye.